0: But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey, friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary. Thanks for being here. We are now officially a few weeks into 2023, and I feel like today's episode is really fitting for the beginning of a new year. Where we might be taking inventory and thinking about how things are going for us. We're going to be talking about reparenting, which is essentially the act of healing our own developmental trauma, healing our own wounds from childhood needs that we had that went unmet by our parents or that weren't met the way we needed them to be. And so reparenting is essentially that work that we do to heal those traumas and figure out now how to get those needs met in a healthy way, even though they didn't get met that way in childhood. And part of this process is going to be influenced by your own kids, your own reactions to your own kids, the ways that you find that you are triggered by your own kids. That's going to inform the healing that you need to do. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can actively reparent ourselves while we are in the process of raising our own kids, because we're doing this work simultaneously. And I'm going to be talking about all of this in the context of a listener question. And that's actually what spurred the question was, how do we balance raising our own kids with healing our trauma, with reparenting ourselves? Like how do we do both at the same time? So today I'm going to give you a ton of practical, actionable ways that you can reparent yourself In the midst of the chaos of raising young kids, in the midst of the busy, in the midst of the go, 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 and the co-regulating and all of the things that we do as parents. And one of the best things you can do as you start to become conscious of the ways in which your needs were not met and how that might show up for you in your parenting journey is to actively shift your mindset, to shift the way that you see yourself in hard moments, and your child in hard moments, the way that you see parenting, the role of the parent, the role of the child, shifting our mindset is the best place to start this work. And toward that end, if you have not yet downloaded my free guide, Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way That Feels Good, go download that today. This guide is going to give you a wonderful, accessible starting point but really starting to see, oh, wow. So when I was a kid, crying and being angry were viewed as bad behavior, but actually those were just feelings and expressing feelings is a need. My needs weren't met, right? You're going to start to have those aha moments as you read this guide, especially if you are just getting started on your reparenting journey You need this guide. And even if you've been at this for a while, I still go back to these mindset shifts. I still go back to them and I just like to read them and remind myself this is the lens through which I want to see my child and myself. This is the truth. Even when I'm triggered and my brain is telling me lies about what the truth is in that moment, this is what's real. So you can get your copy totally free at raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset. So, our listener sent a voice DM on Instagram saying, You know, I still wrestle with a lot of guilt about the fact that I have not fully healed my own developmental trauma prior to becoming a mom. And she went on to say that she knows she's not alone in this because often we don't realize that we have these unmet needs, that we have these childhood wounds until we become parents. So, a lot of us show up to parenting and we do not have a full understanding of our own childhood wounds and parenting is the mirror through which we really can see, okay, that's how my needs weren't met. And it's not immediate. It's not like you have a baby and then you're just like, oh, okay, cool. I know all of my childhood trauma. Like, no, this unfolds bit by bit as you're interacting with your child You might start to notice when your child is having a meltdown that you're really uncomfortable with that really intense expression of emotion, that you're uncomfortable with that unbridled, primal expression of emotion that you never got to do. You might start to feel really resentful when your child pushes back on a limit. You might start to feel like, oh my goodness, my child is so disrespectful and bad. And then you realize, oh, I never got to push back on limits. I was expected to kind of fall in line and do what my parents asked me to do. You're going to start to make those connections bit by bit as you parent your own child. So to our listener who sent me this DM, you are definitely not alone. I think this is pretty much inevitable that even if you have done years and years of therapy, Prior to becoming a parent, there are going to be ways that your child triggers you and exposes parts of your developmental trauma, exposes childhood wounds that you didn't know you had. This was true for me. And this was true, even though I entered parenting as a licensed psychologist, I had literally almost a decade under my belt of working intensely with other people's children. I had worked in residential treatment centers. I had worked in schools and I worked with the kids who weren't okay. I worked with kids who couldn't make it in their communities and in their homes without a ton of extra support because of their childhood trauma. So like this wasn't easy work. I was getting called tons of names. These kids would push every button possible, many of them because they were testing that attachment relationship. That work required a crazy amount of patience. And I remember as I was leaving one of my residential treatment jobs, I had gotten really close to the kids. And so they threw me a goodbye party and everybody went around and said the one thing they're really going to remember slash miss about me. And one of the kids was like, you know, you are just always so calm. Like, I can call you any name. I can push any button. And you are so steady and so calm. And you're just like, come on, come on, let's go take a walk. Like, literally, that was the tone that he used. And I prided myself on that. I was so proud of myself after growing up in a home where there was a lot of adult emotional dysregulation. I was really freaking proud of myself for being that calm, steady presence for these kids. So when I became a mom, I was so sure that I had it all figured out. And they require therapy as part of the path to become a psychologist. You have to engage in your own therapy. So I had been in therapy more than once by the time I became a mom. And I thought, This is going to be amazing. Like I was built for this. I know what it feels like to be called a name. I know what it feels like to have a kid push buttons and try to push back on limits. And I know how to handle that. And here's the thing. As it turns out, these emotionally dysregulated teenagers had nothing on my two-year-old when my first child became a toddler and started having meltdowns. I learned really quickly that parenting your own child is a whole new world compared to the work that I had done as a therapist in residential treatment centers and schools. Like I explicitly remember my professor saying, you know, being a child therapist, his quote was, it's going to drag you through your own childhood by the hair. And what he meant by that was exactly what we're talking about in this episode. It was going to expose childhood wounds. But that was not my experience as a child therapist. Don't get me wrong. My job was really, really hard some days, but there was just this level of separation between me and these kiddos I was working with in the therapeutic milieu that there never will be between a parent and a child. There is something really uniquely challenging about parenting your own child. And that experience, unlike being a child therapist, the experience of parenting my own three children has dragged me through my childhood by the hair, so to speak. So if you ever feel like our listener and you wrestle with guilt around not having done your own healing prior to becoming a parent, welcome to the club. I genuinely do not believe that any of us come into parenting having done all of the work that we need to do. And that's because... As I just mentioned, our kids have the ability to trigger us in ways that nobody else does, but also because we are never done healing. I don't care how much therapy you have been to. I believe that we are always healing, growing, and evolving as humans. And so you might go to therapy and then feel like you're at a nice stopping point. And then at some point you might be like, oh, you know what? think I'd like to go back now. I don't think we necessarily need to be in therapy continuously all the time. I think there are times in our lives where it makes more sense than other times for us to be in therapy. I always ask my clients when they reach out to initiate therapy with me, I say, okay, so what brings you to call me today? Like why today instead of yesterday, instead of last week, instead of last month, You know, because people will say, oh, well, I really want to work on my anxiety or my depression, right? But why right now? And to be fair, I work mostly with perinatal clients, and so they're often calling me because they've just had a baby or they're pregnant and experiencing significant anxiety or depression in the context of the perinatal period, right? But even so, a lot of times we will get them in a place where they're functioning and they're feeling better. And they will often go back and finish the newborn phase because that's a demanding time. And they'll come back. They'll come back and say, you know what? I think I'm ready to address some of my own childhood wounds. I think I'm ready to address the fact that my parents kind of ignored me when I was a kid. I think I'm ready to address the fact that I was yelled at constantly or belittled for my emotions I think I'm ready to address the fact that I'm really freaking uncomfortable when my toddler has a meltdown and I don't know why. So, a lot of my clients will come in because they're dealing with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, and then they'll either stay to work on developmental trauma or they will come back. And in my own life, I've been in and out of therapy as it has made sense for me. So, therapy is an amazing, amazing tool for healing developmental trauma and especially modalities that address trauma directly like EMDR or brain spotting. Those are super powerful interventions for healing childhood trauma. But even as a therapist, I don't think everyone needs to be in therapy all the time. I think, sure, if we all had endless time and money, that might be great. But I actually think that sometimes it's healthy to take a little break from therapy, to really focus on integrating your gains that you've made and then go back when you feel like you need to. Go back when it feels right for you. And I don't believe that we are ever done growing or healing. I just, I think this is a journey. It's a process and you don't just reach an end point. And this is true for reparenting as well. So to our listener, you are most definitely not alone. We are all as parents, all of us are healing as we go. We are healing on the fly, even if we've been in therapy for years. We are getting triggered by our kids and having to figure out in the moment, how do we calm our nervous system? How do we let our nervous system know that, yeah, this need didn't get met in childhood, but I'm safe right now. I don't need to be in fight or flight right now. It's okay that my child is doing X, Y, or Z. I don't need to yell and protect myself. This is safe, even though this same situation did not feel safe when I was a child. I am enough and I'm not too much for the people around me, even though the way my parents responded to me in childhood made me feel like I was. Friends, we are all doing this work as we go. I know it can seem like the person next to you has it all figured out and that you are just over here fumbling, but I promise you, take it from me. Okay. Licensed psychologist should have it together, but I don't always have it together as a parent. I have not completed reparenting. It's not like a level in a video game where I'm like, okay, I'm done. I've officially passed that level, right? No, that's not how it is. We are all doing this work and it is messy and it is not linear. It is sometimes two steps forward and one step back. So today I wanted to empower you with some simple things you can do in your day-to-day life while you are parenting your child to reparent yourself at the same time. These are simple, these are doable, and honestly, you might already be doing a lot of these. I think what you're going to find as we talk about this is that reparenting, even though it sounds like this fancy, involved process, is just the sum of a thousand tiny things we do to try to retrain our nervous system to react differently now that we are safe emotionally, now that we know we can get our needs met in a healthy way, even though as kids we didn't know that and we couldn't. Because that's the thing about developmental trauma. You may not remember those early, early years. You may not have actual storybook memories, but your body remembers Your body implicitly understands things to be safe or unsafe. And so the work is really helping your body understand that it is now safe in these situations that, again, were not emotionally safe when you were a child. The work is really about inviting those parts of ourselves that we had to make really small in order to be accepted by our parents, right? That part of us that needed to push back when we didn't like a limit, that part of us that had feelings that needed to be expressed, that part of us that learned it was not accepted, that it got us into trouble. Because remember, as kids, we are wired to stay close both physical proximity close and emotionally close and connected to our primary caregivers. They are literally our source of survival. And so anything that we did as children that we learned got us into trouble or moved us out of our parents' good graces, we learned adaptively to make that really, really small, to stop doing that thing and in so doing, just kind of stuff down some of our needs. And so the work is bringing those parts of ourselves back Welcoming them back in, reintegrating them into the person we are today. Oh, wait, it's okay for me to have wants and desires. It's okay for me to have needs. It's okay for me to say no when I don't want to do something. It's okay for me to express my emotions. Those are the parts that we most often make really small as kids to survive. So, here are some ways that we actively reparent ourselves as we parent our own kids. And again, these are not necessarily huge, earth-shattering things, but you are reparenting yourself when you trust your own feelings. So you might not understand why you are upset about something, but to believe that what you're feeling makes sense, to not judge yourself for it, to not say, oh, I shouldn't feel this way, or "Hmm, I need to call my friend and see if it's okay that I'm feeling upset about this. I really need feedback on that right when we trust our feelings and we say i don't fully understand why i feel this way but you know what i know it makes sense it makes so much sense and i'll figure out later why but i'm going to trust that what i'm feeling is okay and it makes sense we reparent ourselves when we allow those feelings to exist without any judgment just like we're doing for our kids we reparent ourselves when we ask for help instead of trying to do it all all by ourselves, when we verbalize our needs, right? Because if you grew up with parents who were not responsive to your needs, who didn't see the need underneath the challenging behavior and just focused on that behavior, then you might struggle as an adult to even feel like your needs are valid, let alone verbalize them. You might expect people to just magically know what you need and have a really hard time telling people what it is you need from them. This is something that might come out with your partner, where you just expect them to know what you need instead of saying, hey, this is what I need right now. Could you help me out? So when we ask for help, when we verbalize our needs, we are reparenting ourselves. We're retraining our nervous system to feel safe being people who have needs. We reparent ourselves when we feel angry, and instead of berating ourselves for feeling angry and saying, what's wrong with me? We get curious. We think. What is my anger trying to tell me right now? What does it tell me about what I am needing in this moment? We reparent ourselves when we care for ourselves, when we create and protect space for ourselves and our needs instead of taking care of everyone else's wants and needs before our own. Because that, my friends, is a trauma response. Taking care of everybody else around you before yourself is a trauma response. And you reparent yourself. When you make space for self care, we reparent ourselves when we make and keep a promise to ourselves. So let's say that you know that you need to start winding down by a certain time at night so that you can get good sleep. You know that's important. You know that you don't show up to life and to parenthood the way you want to, and that feels good to you when you don't get enough sleep. And so you know you need to get off of social media, you need to close your laptop, you need to not be working, and you need to wind down. But how often do we say, okay, I'm going to do this, but then there's a work thing that comes up, or we have friends who ask us to go out like the night after we make this promise that I'm going to get some good sleep this week, or we have a friend or a family member who needs us. And so we stay up late on the phone with them just this one time, because you know what? They really needed us. So in those situations, we are breaking that promise to ourselves and honoring our promise to others over our promise to ourselves. So it is healing, it is re-parenting yourself to actually say, you know what, I made this promise to myself and yeah, it would be really fun to go out or yeah, it would be really easy to just take this phone call right now, but I made a promise to myself and I'm going to follow through with that. That is healing. Keeping that promise to yourself is healing. That is re-parenting. We re-parent ourselves when we have conversations with our own parents now about what we needed when we forgive them when we grieve what they still can't give us and accept what they can we reparent ourselves when we recognize that it's okay even if we still don't have our parents approval that we don't need our parents approval to be good enough we don't need our parents approval in how we are parenting we don't need our parents approval for anything would it be nice to have yeah but when we realize that we don't need it to be okay That's reparenting. When we can observe our own reactions to things, and instead of going, gosh, I just raged out there, what's wrong with me? Or, oh my gosh, why am I always so anxious? If we can observe our reactions and understand them through the lens of, okay, that's the state of my nervous system right now. That's not my fault. My nervous system reacted to this stimulus. When we can get curious in those moments, what is my nervous system reacting to right now? Instead of judging ourselves for our reactions and blaming ourselves and saying, I am just not good enough. If I was a better mom, if I was a better wife, if I was a better person, I wouldn't react like that. If we can drop that and get curious, what is this reaction telling me about my nervous system right now? That's reparenting. We reparent ourselves when we realize that the goal is not to stop having feelings and that our feelings are actually a really important part of life and of knowing ourselves. We reparent ourselves when we realize that it is okay to be an inconvenience to somebody else. So for example, I went to Target today and I had a pickup order and they gave me everything in my order except for this one thing. And it was something I really needed. And I said, oh, hey, actually this thing is not in the order. And the Target employee said, oh, okay, well, that's probably because we were running low. And so it was just canceled from the order. But that wasn't the case because I've had that happen before and I knew it was supposed to be here. And Target was really busy and I was not thrilled about having to inconvenience this poor employee, but I really needed the thing. And so I said, yeah, no, actually, I'm pretty sure that it just didn't get put with my order. And so the Target employee agreed to go inside and look. And sure enough, it just had gotten left out of my order. And inconveniencing this employee was really important to me getting what I needed. Same goes for sending a meal back at a restaurant. Or when you're getting a massage and the person asks you, how's the pressure? And you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's way too much, but you're afraid to say something. It is okay to say, actually, that's a little more pressure than I like. So we are reparenting ourselves when we accept that it is okay sometimes to inconvenience somebody else in the service of getting our needs met and that we get to take up space. Now, that doesn't mean that we constantly put our needs on top of everyone else's, but sometimes, like in the target example... I needed my order. And it was okay to ask this person to go inside and check for me. Same goes for if somebody offers to help you and you feel bad because you feel like you're inconveniencing them. It is okay to accept help. It is okay to ask for help if no one's offering. So we reparent ourselves when we allow ourselves to take up space. We reparent ourselves when we realize that it is not our job to manage or fix anyone else's feelings. Not our child's, not our partners, not the lady at the store. It is not our job to manage or fix anyone else's feelings. And if you ask your partner for help and your partner grumbles about it but is still willing to help you, it is okay that your partner has a feeling about having to take on more around the house. That doesn't mean that you don't get to ask. And it doesn't mean that you're responsible for their feelings. And when we recognize that, and we let go of trying to fix or manage other people's feelings, we are reparenting ourselves. We are reparenting ourselves when we take a hard moment and we say to ourselves, This is really hard. And I really don't like what's happening right now. And I can cope with this. It is what it is. And I can cope. We are reparenting ourselves when we feel overwhelmed or dysregulated and we take a break. Instead of acting on that dysregulation, when we're frustrated with our kids, when we're trying to stay calm and we just can't, and we take a break instead of exploding, that is reparenting. Or maybe we did explode and we take a break after to regroup. That is reparenting. We reparent ourselves when we realize that we don't need other people to feel okay in order for us to be okay that our partner can have a bad day, that our kid can be struggling with something and be stressed out. And it does not mean that we can't be okay. We do not have to take on other people's feelings. And when we recognize that, we are reparenting ourselves. We are reparenting ourselves when we take the things we needed to hear as children. Maybe things like, I love you all the time. There's nothing you could do that would ever make me love you less or more because I already love you the max amount a person can love another person. Maybe that's what you needed to hear. Or maybe you needed to hear that you're enough, that you are never too much and that whatever you bring, I can handle it. Maybe you just needed to hear, I love you. So when we say those things now to ourselves, when we literally look in the mirror and say them to ourselves now, We are reparenting ourselves. And I would argue that's one of the most powerful things you can do. My cousin is a grief empowerment coach, which means that she helps people sort of get back to themselves after a loss. And one of the things she does with all of her clients is she has them actually go to the mirror and tell themselves, I love you. And this is an uncomfortable exercise for most of us. Most of us have a really hard time with this, but it is one of the most powerful reparenting tools we have in our toolbox. So I challenge you this week at some point to go to the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. And I would be so curious to know how it goes for you. You can email me at raisedresilient.com. I would love to hear your experience with this exercise because I know this is a tough one for a lot of us. I'm curious what it feels like for you. I'm curious if it feels helpful, if it feels powerful, if it feels hard to do. Seriously, write to me and let me know. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope this was helpful. And if you take nothing else away from this episode, take with you the fact that we are all on a healing journey, that all of us are reparenting ourselves as we show up for our kids, that this is something we do simultaneously as we also try to meet our kids' needs and show up for them. We are doing this work at the same time as we are parenting our kids. If you feel like that, it's not because you're getting it wrong. It's because it's the nature of the job. But you've got this. You can do this. We are in it together. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.